Please join me in the confession of sin. Dearly beloved, we've come together in the presence of God, our Heavenly Father, to render thanks for the great benefits that we have received at His hand, to set forth His most worthy praise, to hear His holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and salvation. O come, let us worship Him. Let us kneel and bow down before Him. Let us confess our sins with penitent hearts and obtain forgiveness by his infinite grace and mercy. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed the devices and desires of our hearts. We have offended against your holy law. We have done those things which we should not have done, and we have not done those things which we should have done. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Spare us and restore us according to the promises you have declared to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. For his sake, grant that we may live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Lift up your hearts with comfort and joy. The Almighty and merciful Lord has granted us pardon and forgiveness of all of our sins, grace for true repentance and amendment of life, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Please be seated for our lesson. The scripture reading for our meditation tonight is taken from the Gospel of St. John, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse 66. From that time, many of Jesus' disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray now that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. In the months ahead, and especially next summer, you're going to hear a lot about the little gymnast, Simone Biles. She is already now the most highly decorated Olympian in Olympic history, with 30 Olympic medals. And she's expected to win some more in gymnastics this coming summer in Paris. If uh, you've ever seen an interview or read anything about her, she dropped out of school when she was um, in about junior high and started to be homeschooled through a tutor instead. Her family made sure to have uh, tutors that would come to the house. And she would spend hours and hours every day getting herself ready for competition. By her own admission, she says that she oftentimes lacked friends and kind of missed out on a real social life. She missed prom during her high school years. And some days went about as much as six to seven hours of intensive gymnastics training so she could be ready for the Olympics. That's quite a commitment. There probably were other athletes, maybe even some at a certain stage better than her, at certain points in her life, maybe even in some of the gymnastic competitions she was in that just did not feel it was worth that much of a commitment and, and walked away, you might say, uh, from being quite that dedicated. They weren't maybe quite as willing to sacrifice as that. Sometimes there are things in our lives that make us have to sit and examine the situation and say, is this really worth my time? Is this really worth the effort or maybe the money or maybe my emotions? Is it worth the potential physical toil that it's going to take on my body? Is it, is it really worth the dedication and the work it's going to take? I've had students tell me that they changed their majors because they realized they just wouldn't have quite the time to put into a major what they thought they wanted to do originally. And sometimes we reach a certain point, which is just kind of a breaking point or a walk-away point, where we realize that this is just going to take a little too much commitment. The context of the words of Jesus uh, are spoken right after the uh, feeding of the 5,000 miracle. If you can imagine what a tremendous thing that was to witness Christ feeding so many people with so little food. And um, the people were told in John chapter 6 went out to find Jesus again because they, they started thinking, this guy could make our lives so easy. He could be our bread king. All we'd have to do is ask him to miraculously provide us with everything that we need for life. And our Lord uh, very clearly sees through their motives 
and that they're coming to him for the wrong reason. They're coming to him for earthly blessings, and he's really come here with a much greater, higher mission and purpose in mind, and that is eternal blessings. And he refers to himself then as the bread that came down from heaven. I am the bread that came down from heaven, the true bread of life, not the things that we can get in this life that will fade away. Jesus says in that context, do not work for food that spoils, but food that endures to eternal life. And in doing so, Jesus is expressing to the people who he truly is, the great Messiah that had been promised, the very Son of God himself, true God and true man in the flesh, that he has come now to carry out the work of providing a way of salvation for all people. But there were some people in the crowd who started to wonder. They probably knew him personally, and they had maybe seen him grow up. And they said, isn't this the son of Joseph? And when they heard him talk like this and describe himself as the very Messiah, claiming then to be the son of God, many of them said, this is a hard teaching. This is a little too much to accept. This is a little too difficult for our intellect to comprehend that this guy that we've known, maybe from childhood, claiming now to be the Messiah? Jesus is sometimes considered by people to be a great rabbi and a great teacher. If he really is a great rabbi and a great teacher, do great teachers go around claiming to be the Son of God? Do they go around claiming to be God? There really is no middle ground when it comes to who this Jesus is. Either he really is the Son of God as he claims, or he's a crackpot. He is a liar and a deceiver. There really is no middle ground when you think about it. And there are probably as many as eight witnesses who knew him and heard him speak about himself that, uh, that wrote these things down for us the eight of them that, that heard him declare that he really was the Son of God. So there's no middle ground about this Jesus Christ. You and I, by God's grace and through the work of the Holy Spirit, have been blessed to come to faith in him and to understand who he truly is, to know him as, as the God of tremendous grace and mercy who has come down to earth to pay the full price for all the sins that would have kept us out of heaven that by his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death, he has now purchased your entrance into heaven and all your sins have been washed away. And by faith in him, we can be absolutely positive that we have life for waiting for us in heaven. And all of this has been done at no cost to you. Nothing was demanded of you. It's entirely free. By grace, you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. We all love that verse in Ephesians. So our entrance into heaven is all taken care of. But living the life of faith in this world, living with this faith in our hearts, there will be a cost for following this Savior. There will be a challenge and a cost in our lives. And it may require a little bit more out of some of us in this room than it will of others. And for some, the cost that will be demanded might end up being 
a pretty challenging point where someone might say, I'm not sure if this is worth it. Maybe I should walk away. It may become intellectually difficult for you to continue following Christ and his word. It may become emotionally difficult for you to continue following Christ and his word. It may become culturally difficult for you with the friends that you have to put up with badgering and being labeled as a hater if you follow Christ and his word. It may become difficult for you possibly physically someday or maybe monetarily. There might be a cost that we are tempted to look at in our lives and say, you know, this is a little too much. I don't know if this is really going to be worth it. This is too hard. Maybe I should walk away right now. Our Lord Jesus saw people who were his disciples. They're described in our text. Many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. At one time, they loved him. They followed him. They loved to hear the gospel. They, they wanted to put their trust and faith and hope in him. And yet, they now turn around and follow him no more. And as Jesus watches them walk away, he asks the penetrating question to me and to you. And that is this. Do you also want to go away? Do you also want to go away? So, in your life right now, I ask myself this too. What is the greatest challenge to following Christ? What is the greatest challenge to, to your faith? and to the path that you may have to walk someday as far as following our Lord. Being a follower of Christ is not a popular thing. It's not a popular path. And we're not allowed to pick and choose what doctrines we like and throw certain ones out. Jesus says we are to obey all the things that he has commanded us. And Christ calls on each one of us tonight to be all in not just partly committed to this faith. We may be tempted to, to uh, reach a certain point of divide when it comes to Christ, but he would have us always keep in mind what the end result is of possessing this faith. Peter says it so well when Jesus asks him. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There's no one else there's no one else that has this capacity to provide us with life everlasting in heaven. It's really an emphatic use of the words here in the Greek. It's as if he's saying, there's you and there's no one else. There's nobody else, no other. Lord, we've been blessed to have been taught by you the only way that we can possibly reach life in heaven. Why do you think we would ever want to go and listen to another voice? Why do you think we'd ever want to follow another path? And so the very faith that our Lord Jesus through these words is trying to chase in you and me, that very faith worked in us by the Holy Spirit latches on to Christ alone. And this way of faith is difficult, yes, but it also has a glorious, eternal, and wonderful benefit. There's no other rescue plan to get you out of your grave. There's no other remedy for your sin and your upcoming death. And there's no other answer for your grave apart from this Lord Jesus, the resurrected Savior and his word. The one who says to you, because I live, you shall live also. 
Why in the world would we ever want to walk away from him? Amen. Please rise for the Kyrie.